All I ever ask is keep it eight more than 92 with me, 100. Everything's normal. There's nothing amiss. There's nothing, you know, sad. There's nothing changing. Just the same old dads, the same old pod, same old hundred talk. The normal Monday night. That's right. Uh, as we're being called out in chat, lies, all lies. Uh, yes. Okay. So I was telling Jordan. There are actually a substantial amount of people who just listen to the pod and they don't follow us on Twitter or Discord or whatever. So, respect first. First of all, respect. Re- yes, respect first of all. Uh, now, because of that, uh, <laughs> we are obligated to make the same announcement that we made on Twitter yesterday. And um, we'll do this uh, just at the top of the pod, kind of get it out of the way, and then we'll go back to having a normal pod. Um, so, we are concluding Hundred Talk at the end of this split. So it's been about five years since we've been doing the show. It's been amazing and incredible, and you guys have um, just been really welcoming and supportive and just really awesome. And it makes us really sad to be wrapping up the show. But um, Jordan and I both personally and professionally are getting much busier these days and we're not able to, you know, give the same kind of attention and coverage, um, that we would like to for you guys. Plus, um, we felt like five years is a, it's a nice round number. Very round. Yeah. Kind of, kind of makes sense. Um, a lot of this just, you know, we, we need to be there for our families, for our kids that are growing up quickly and, uh, making the most of the time we have with them. And, uh, that, you know, we need to simplify our lives a little bit. So very sad to announce that, uh, you guys have become like a huge part of our lives, obviously. And I think we're going to miss this a whole lot, but we know it's the the right decision. Um, talking through the, the schedule of this, just so everybody knows, um, if hundred thieves makes the playoffs, we're going to continue the pod um, pretty much as normal. Um, The way that would work out is that the last uh, full normal 100 talk, normal 100 talk would be on April 10th. If we don't make playoffs, which we'll talk about how likely we think that is uh, in a little bit. um, If we don't make playoffs, then that would mean actually next week would be our last full normal pod. Now, in the meantime, we will still be doing rec league on the normal schedule, um, and then maybe a, another couple streams here and there. Jordan, Jordan's actually going to be out of the country uh, for what is it like a couple weeks, like end of March, beginning of April. Yeah. Um, so I'll be holding it down solo while he's gone, but we'll still keep rec league going. Maybe some vod squad. I don't know. Uh, the other dates to know is that our our final rec league in either case, whether we're in playoffs or not, will be. Um, Thursday, April 13th. That'll be the last rec league stream. 
And then we will have the following Monday, the 17th of April, we'll have like the big goodbye stream. We're planning on just kind of hanging out, um, watching some old content, having some conversations, just reminiscing with you guys for probably what's going to be a long stream <laughs> on that Monday night. So we would be honored if you'd put that on your calendars, Monday, April 17th, and you can come hang out with us then and we can say our proper goodbyes. So, um, just want to say a, a ton of you have sent tweets and messages and stuff. And thank you for all of that. I've read through everything. I've tried to respond to everything. I know I'm still missing some people on the responses, so I'm sorry if I haven't gotten to you yet, but it's been very overwhelming and like just so, so much more positive and warm <laughs> than I think we even anticipated. Um, you guys are really good. So thank you for that. And like I said, we're, we're sad about it. We know it's the right decision and we're going to enjoy the last month of Thunder talk together. Absolutely. So, as we make the playoffs, as we make the playoffs and win them. And go to, <laughs> uh, so let me just give a swig of the rip here <laughs> as a toast to the last month of Thunder talk. Ah, let's have some fun. Let's have some fun. What's, we're going to have some fun. Sorry. <laughs> we're going to have some fun. Uh, shout out to everybody who played Warzone in the OG days. Yep. Okay. So back to the normal stuff. Thank you, Flight Check Crew, for the raid, by the way. We love you guys. Um, <laughs> we just made our announcement, Flight Check Crew. So we're trying to fight through the emotions here. Um, let's talk about this past weekend now. So all that, okay, cool. We got it out of the way. Mm -hmm. We got a month. Let's have fun. Here are the games. Yep. Uh, great weekend. What, what great, happened? Great weekend. Wow. What a great weekend. Did you think that the weekend, even if you thought we won, did you think the weekend would be so glorious? No. No. I mean, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of confidence in this result happening. Um. Of all the changes we've seen from 100 Thieves rosters over the years, I don't know. I mean, there, there are a couple notable moments. You talked about this. I think you brought it up appropriately. Kind of like that. I, I can't remember exactly the wording you used, but like, I think there is always the chance that you get like this jolt of fresh energy, positivity, etc. And we've seen that happen to, to great effect in the past. I didn't have a lot of confidence that we'd find ourselves there, um, but I'm glad we did because it makes this uh, upcoming Super Week actually a lot more interesting. Yeah, I would say the tides turned very quickly. Um, we played entirely different. Uh, we seemed like a different group of people. And so we're left with a difficult uh, dilemma here in that, was that all that needed to happen <laughs> I think, as always, the truth is a little more complicated, but let's first, before we really dive into that question, let's talk about the games themselves. Let's talk about what we saw, what made the difference. And I think at the top of everybody's list is going to be the weekend that Closer had. Um, Closer returned to tradition in every sense of the word, mm -hmm. in that he was on a wonderful pick for him, Lee Sin. He was being aggressive, he was getting kills, he was styling, and he was getting shafted for player of the week. <laughs> so, 
everything uh, back to normal, back to form, yes. just as it should be. What a relief. Honestly, how did that not happen? Um, <laughs> and we, we saw it come out of the gates against Golden Guardians. Hey, let's not forget, Golden Guardians turned in, what was it? Was it a seven-game win streak, eight-game win streak, something like that, right? Yeah. It was definitely a long uh, one. I think they had lost the game was. immediately preceding us, if I'm not mistaken. So they, uh, well, surprise, surprise, we started winning and Leaguepedia is not all the way up to date. <laughs> oh. Just as I said. Mm-hmm. Uh, they won seven in a row, then they lost Team Liquid and beat Immortals, right? So they won eight out of nine going into our game. And uh, jumped us, they bunny hopped us in the standings, right? And we're looking quite solid. Yeah. So this was not a gimme. And honestly, if we don't win this game, I don't, I don't know how much hope there is left for the rest of the split. Like it, we would need an emergency, like, yeah, you know, self revive kit or something. <laughs> I'm not sure what the uh, the foldy sheet starts looking like at that point, but yeah, um, it it, it surely would have made the outlook a lot more dire. Yep. So definitely a. Uh, a game where players you would think are feeling some kind of pressure, mm-hmm. right? Because basically the season was riding on that. And they absolutely delivered. They didn't crumble under the pressure. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it felt free, right? Closer, you know, returning to what the point I was making, Closer came out and he got a first blood in mid with beer. <coughs> Excuse me. I'll have I'll have the cough through the end of Hunter Talk, I'm sure. <laughs> um he he got the first blood in mid with closer at like, you know, 345 or something like that. So it was very quick out of the gate and not satisfied. He basically roamed straight up into top lane mm. and uh got the kill on old uh old Hunter Talk legend Likariche right after that. <laughs> so with it, you know, four, four and a half minutes in the game, mm-hmm. closer sitting at two and oh. Mm. And that's exactly the kind of just jolt of energy that was needed. Sometimes, I mean, honestly, we saw in the LA Thieves uh, thing from this weekend, like energy swings are real. Momentum is real. Yeah. Y- you saw what happened to us in that hard point in that first map. Um, it's stuff like that. It could just completely either suck energy out of the room or just blow it up. Yeah. And fortunately for us, the start that we got off to really set the tone for the whole weekend. Man, it does feel like I, I, I made a point of bringing it up last week, I think it was just, or maybe it was two weeks ago at this point, but like how many, how close some of these first blood, second bloods have been. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like this is a great example of just how much that can change the entire trajectory of a game especially when you have players as good as closer right like the fact that he there were there were a couple fights where i was like "Uh uh-oh this could be close and it's like oh no 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 no, he's so far ahead there's really no no shot that Mm -hmm. they win this fight yeah they might get a kill or something but he's gonna clean this up um right so that for me that felt like a difference from past games where and you know especially like the ones we talked about where it was, oh man, if, if, if only this one thing happened differently, this game could have really gone a different direction. That really wasn't too often about closer, right? We were talking about um, bot lane. We were talking about tenacity. And uh, 
And so it, it did, it felt great to see closer back in the driver's seat and getting the early lead because we know exactly what he can do with an early lead. Like he's not the kind of jungler who gets an early lead. And then like 18 minutes later, he's even in CS and you're like, well, what good did that do? And I think it helped that he was on the yeah. scene, of course, but yeah, it definitely helped that he had his power pick. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it didn't like one of the things that I mentioned maybe last week, maybe the week before, I can't remember which pod, but, uh, one of the things that I, I felt like we were missing out on was heralds, right? Mm-hmm. We seem to be dropping a lot of heralds and they went the opposite direction, uh, in this match. So yeah. we didn't just get those two kills and be like, all right, now we got a lead. Let's, right. you know, let's just scale for the kind of, game. Let's ride this lead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Instead, they they went to use the pressure, right? They they generated pressure on the map, used it to secure a herald, actually two heralds. Um, in fact, the second herald got all that got a tier two and bot even. Mm-hmm. So we got we got a lot out of our use of the herald. We I think gave over the first dragon, maybe the first two even. Like we we were just like, hey, let's take the map. Yeah. This time, <laughs> and I loved that. That felt like an actual change to me. Yeah. Um, as we'll get into, I didn't, I didn't feel like there was a ton of, um, changes in strategy or anything like that, but that was one where I was like, okay, cool. We are using the heralds. I was tired of seeing teams get so much out of heralds against us. So, um, absolutely loved that emphasis. And it felt like we understood how we were going to use the champs that we had. Mm Mm-hmm around objectives and around the map. Um, so <clears throat> like looking at what we had as far as the draft goes, we have Gragas, Lee, and Azir, Zaya, Rakan, right? And the, the, there's a lot of ability to control people with that, especially when it comes to objectives, right? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> excuse me, man, I really got to kill this cough. Uh, especially around um, Baron. So there was a, a Baron take where we started off knowing that they were going to be kind of like lagging behind and making it over to Baron, knowing that we had a, a healthy lead. And what do you see? We see like two or three of our guys that are using their champions to make sure River does not even have a path yeah. to the Baron. And and we saw like, I think the the last bit of it was Busio on his Rakan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, World doing, get, getting, yeah, right. All around the red buff. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and charming like three people along the way and yeah. just making sure river like was just CC'd mm-hmm. locked down. Yeah. Saw some Gra- Gragas body slam. We saw the Rakan, you know, it just, it was really nice to see them say, Hey, look at what we've drafted. Here's how we can use it mm-hmm. to help us achieve what we're actually trying to do right now. Yeah. So it was, it was like, very refreshing. We understood exactly what we were doing and what we wanted to do mm-hmm. um, with the comp that we had. And so I think it's hard to say which of the two games felt like a more controlled domination. Uh, I think a lot of people lean towards Dignitas, but I just thought we played so clean against Golden Guardians. I was, I was really, really proud of it. Yeah. And, you know, I think obviously Golden Guardians a, a tougher challenge at this point in the split. Um, so yeah, I agree. I think the, 
if you and I was just looking at the pick bands, like it's actually kind of surprising not to go to the next game, but that Leeson was the second round of bands, uh, not the first for Dig. Yeah, but it is. It does feel <laughs> like, in a way, I mean, it was so weird how we played. And this is there's actually maybe something here that we could we could dig into a little bit. But like the thing that is crazy about this Leeson is that this was the second go around, right? Um, I don't believe. Thank you for bringing this up. Yeah. Yes. I don't believe. I feel like people miss this somehow. <laughs> this is this is a weird thing. I don't believe that closer had like rust he needed to shake off. You know, I think he could probably no. play Lee Sin like forty five years from now and still be like top tier. Um, but it's that's one of the things that seems so strange to me is it 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 even looked he just looked different on it, and is that. Is that the coach diff? Like, and I'm not. I'm not meaning that to say like, "Hey, look, we got rid of costs, and now all our problems are gone." But you do wonder, yeah. like, is it just a different mentality? Is it a different approach to the game? I mean, um, I, I'm sure we could go back and actually do a, a little bit more in depth analysis to understand why it feels so different. I guess the point that I want to highlight here is it just felt different. It felt like he was playing. Um, you remember how Reaper used to say like he wants his players to be unchained? Like that's what it felt right. like. He shows up in mid lane and immediately gets himself a lead that he never gives back. Um, mm-hmm. So I love to see it, you know? And I think like there were some flashy plays. There's a great kick in the dragon pit that got two people at a key moment. So mm-hmm. you know, it, was, it was vintage closer. Like it was really good stuff. There, there was that um, cue onto Yone. Yes. Oh, that's so you know, Where yeah. he timed it so perfectly and could just chase him and finish him off. He must but, have recast and, as he was in like soul form, you know? <laughs> like yeah, as he was, was rubber banding back, he also. Yeah. <laughs> it was he as said, soon now as is he got the time. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it was, it was very interesting because, you know, one of the things that you and I talked about when we were looking at, you know, what's this, how's this matchup going to go last week on the pod? Uh, we were talking about River and Gory, man, have been insane. Like yeah. they have, they have earned, you know, a, a look for some of the All Pro stuff, you know, just with how how well they've played this this split. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they got doo doo on by our mid jungle. Yeah, I mean, Bjergsen looked great on his Azir. We saw, hey, we saw offensive Bjergsen Azir plays. Mm-hmm. Been a while. It's been a minute. Uh, <laughs> He was 3-0-9 closer. We already talked about what he did, 7-2-5. and five. Over, over to their side of it, Gory, 0-4-2 on freaking Yone. Mm-hmm. And Sejuani for River, 0-2-5. So, yeah, they were not relevant. And I think it could have gone a different way. If you look at that fight around Dragon Pit, where it was like before things really got out of hand, um for golden guardians like they were behind but they still kind of had a shot uh gory had a gory had an opportunity at a huge yone ult that might have changed the trajectory of the game and he went (laughs) just whiffed it (laughs) just whiffed it and and paid the price and i don't you know if that game if that play goes differently we might not have won the game i don't know it's possible but our guys positioned his Annie ult. Yeah, it's his Annie two pixels off yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh, he, um, you know, our guys positioned 
very well. I thought like when, when they saw that angle and they saw it happen, you see, you see like an interesting split off. Mm-hmm. See, I think it was tenacity jog down into the Baron pit and stuff or the dragon pit. So, I mean, I thought we played it well, but he also just missed. Yep. Um, and so our, our mid jungle mm-hmm. looked much more cohesive and in form and got the better of their mid jungle, which I think is their absolute strength. Uh, I don't think six has been bad at all either. Six has been yeah. going back to his old ways, but yep. uh, it, it just didn't end up mattering for, for them in this one. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. For us. Yeah. Worth noting. I think that, um, I don't know how many of these we have, but this is a, a non bot lane fueled win. And that also feels important. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I talked about how, where if not bot lane where do our wins come from um i almost forgot that jungle is an option <laughs> you know uh but jungle is an option <laughs> yeah when you've got closer on your team with how this split's gone yeah yeah and it, yeah so i think if we can continue to get these kinds of performances from him i'm liking our odds yeah uh was i mean this was a very quiet double lift game mm-hmm. it seemed uh, I thought he still played well. Yeah. Um, his Zaya looks very good. Yeah. Yep. I like his Zaya. I mean, I think the the team fighting presence he has on that champ is really good. And you know, it's it's not. This is not the. Uh, this is a very different look, right? Like this is not at all the surprise quadric kill Caitlyn um, from a losing fight angle. But it sure right. is nice to be able to have, you know, the added CC, the the absolute, um, you know, just the splash damage he brings to these fights. So I, I wasn't, I, I'll tell you, I wasn't super crazy about the Zaya, but here's the nice thing as well. It just gives him that much more survivability. So the fact that he's going deathless, that the Zeri can't really get going and um, bully, like, can't himself take over the, the team fights. Say that is, um, that was mm-hmm. huge. That was huge because we've we've also seen this game play out um, against Prince. Obviously, different games, but there have been games where we had Prince pretty quiet, and then yeah, uh, we hit like and then he had fourteen kills, twenty five, yeah. <laughs> thirty minutes, and he can't lose a fight, and we can't win a team fight because we're all dead, and then he has fourteen kills. <laughs> you know, so it's like the fact that we held his area to two, two, and two feels really good on this one. Sure does. Now you're talking about the um, escapability for double lift, and <clears throat> obviously you're you're referring to the old. He has got that distance just oh, yeah. s- seared into his brain. Yeah. Um, I feel like I don't see Zaya's hit the exact range on that old as frequently as he does. There was a great mid lane um, one. I forgot about that, but it was perfect. It was they were stacked it was up. A great top lane one in the dig game too. Yeah, they were stacked up, looking for the. Uh, I think, I don't know, I don't, I'm not a Sejuani connoisseur, but it felt like a bit of a <laughs> fumbled, like I think, I feel like ideally you want to dash out as you are throwing the ult, so that there's less chance, and I think here that River dashed out, did the whip, and then went for the ult, kind of giving mm. Double Lift enough time to react. He might have still done it, but anyway, um, yeah, he got out, he flashed out, and then I think we ended up actually turning that fight so yeah it was great like that doesn't show up in your stat line except that you are deathless at the end of the game 
Um, but that mm. was definitely a fight we won because of the way he denied their full-on uh, engage gamble there. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> cleanly executed. Uh, I think we can be proud of that win. And of course, we didn't succumb to the trap game, right? That came yes. right after that. It's easy when you get on a high to just look forward and be like, okay, you know, where are we in relation to our competition and overlook the, what are they now? Like two and 14 team or whatever, two and 15 dignitas. Um, that's just, it's probably, I mean, uh, I know. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that they have won two games. Yeah. Yeah, Two and 13 is what it is. That's rough. So, uh, it was an interesting game. Like we won by a lot and one in good time it wasn't quite as clean top to bottom though right uh i think we still had mostly positives in fact i think the when i when i think about how dignitas was clawing back a little bit after falling behind quickly uh it didn't seem to really be anything we were doing it was just all of their decision making which got them a lot of objective bounties and climb back into the game but um, focusing on the, the positives from this, I mean, the, you saw the first blood come off of the insanely good ward mm. uh, where basically we, we saw them sneak into yeah. the bush at mid lane because their control, control ward was not in range of the excellent placement of, uh, of our normal trinket. And it was, I, I remember like when I was watching, <laughs> I was like, Okay, uh, you saw it yeah. start to happen. And you're like, they know, right? They know. <laughs> they know. I'm pretty sure they know. And sure enough, as soon as they like, it kind of looked like they engaged onto, um, onto Jensen, was it? I think. I think this was in yeah. mid lane. They were engaging onto Jensen. And then immediately, that was a fake. And they went <laughs> towards Ignar in the, in the bush and yep. just blew him up. Yep. Oh, that was really, really great. And, and I felt like that was a litmus test. You know, because it's just like, all right, we're going to see. Did they, did they know? Are they prepared for this? And sure enough, they um, pulled it off yeah. very well. Watching it, I mean, I thought for sure that we were in vision. I thought for sure they would have seen at least one of our guys who were hovering above our mm-hmm. river wall. Um, yeah. But no, played it perfectly. I don't feel like we've seen too many of this play. And again, I'm not going to make a huge deal out of it because it's a digging toss. But it does, like you said earlier, it does feel different. I think so many of these plays, right? Think back. I feel like a, a, many weeks we have been like think about the week where we got chain ganked bot lane over and over and over and over and Dude, over and it, me crazy. it was it was devastating and the thing that never happened is we it felt like we were never ready like we never decided to do what we did in this game which is like sniff out what they're trying to do and actually just hard counter it in that moment it's not even like we said we hand shook and said, "Okay, you guys do that. We'll try for a top lane trade." It was, it was. We were ready to match, which was crazy to see, um, and it came through just really, really good and well coordinated play. And then we saw it in the bot lane too, right? Like that. It's it wasn't a fluke. It it kind of felt like okay, these guys are they're coordinating in a different way in this game. Yeah, and. <clears throat> It's sniffing, sniffing out those plays, being able to counter them. Just we didn't see much counter play at all over the past 
you know, three weeks or so. No. Um, <clears throat> we also saw something we haven't seen for a few weeks, which was tenacity adding to the solo kill trophy oh, case. So good. I, I don't know if he had already gotten our mutt. I wouldn't be surprised uh, yeah. if he already got our mutt <laughs> earlier in the season, Yeah, but he got him again. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> very nicely. Uh, of course, tenacity had uh, the two Gragas games back to back, which I just don't think of Gragas as a tenacity champion. Um, but he played it really well. But he he did. He he looked really good. Yeah. Um. So that was excellent to see. I and I don't <clears> think of <throat> of Gragas as a solo kill champion. Um. Like, I think of the the more brawl heavy champs. I mean, it was it was kind of a a slow like drawn out process right like you could kind of see it coming from <laughs> from 15 seconds away um yeah but it was a really we've, well we've been in enough rec leagues to know yeah it was a, a well placed cask get him into turret range and then he just refused to let him leave uh <laughs> so it was really good yeah yeah um oh and i didn't even i should have brought this up earlier we were talking about counterplay uh closer had a really really great match of uh, what Santorin was trying to do in the bot lane. Like they, you know, we we've seen, I think we've seen this, this gank in the LCS in bot lane where they kind of sneak up the bushes yeah. a lot more this year than we've been used to seeing it. And, and closers timing, mm. sensing that being down there for support at really the exact right time. You don't want to match the timing exactly. Mm -hmm. You want to be like just a bit behind yeah. so that they commit and then, right. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we got out of that. Um, and it was, if he wasn't there for us, it was a likely double kill for them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a likely 2-0 for them. And instead, we came out with the 2-0. Yeah. Because it was perfectly executed. Uh, I think Busio had a great stopwatch during that oh. just to make sure he survived. Yep. Didn't give over any gold on the other side of it. Man, I love seeing that play. Um, so we definitely had some, some counterplay in mind. Uh, and, and good decision making. And then in general, the coordination that we saw in the, in the engages and the fights, I think was on a different plane than it's been for a while. I mean, maybe it's partially due to the rookies kind of slotting in better nowadays. Mm -hmm. Um, this is, this was not, uh, Busio's first recon game as we mentioned before. Um, but he looked very good on it. He had a couple of three-man knockups um, in the middle of fights, including just the just uh, absolutely sick, devastating <laughs> fight at the end in topside, uh, where I like I haven't. It's been a while since I've felt that much joy watching a team fight, like for the <laughs> for our squad, you know. Yeah. But I just I, I it was like a it was like a thrill, yeah. right? It was a thrill to watch that team fight and see it play out. <laughs> Um, they can be very thrilling. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. Like you get you get that kind of recon engage. Oh, it can be. Thrilling. I remember in Rec League when Unreal Dreamer did that insane mm. like flash down to the like dash and then W charm. Yeah, thing I, on me just like came out of nowhere. Like I think like a lightning bolt. It's I think it's that kind of thrill. I think we were both laning against him in that game, and I it was it was a thrill and also like a nightmare. You know, like. Yeah, it was it was it it was over before it began, kind of like, <laughs> mm -hmm. but like I couldn't help but appreciate it. Yeah, you know? oh for sure. Yeah, um, 
maybe maybe not a mistake that Poom's first thrilling match for us was on Rakan as well. Yeah. Hmm. It's a thing. It works well. It's for definitely us. a thing. Glad Rakan is back in the meta. Yeah. Um and so well, let's let's go ahead and talk about that for a second. So Busio has played a lot of Lulu <laughs> as of late. Mm-hmm. Um this in this uh split, he's played one, two, three, four, five Lulu games. Um uh, we had him on Soraka, we had him on uh Karma, and he's been on Lux, which is a little bit different, but still, you know, kind of that enchanter deal. Mm-hmm. Um having him on something where he's more playmaking, I think is more true to who he is as a player. Right now you have to, you can't just be like, well, I play that kind of thing. So let me do it and slot right in. Like that's not how it works, right? You have to be able to play everything. And even if you are super good or comfortable on a style of champion, it still has to work. It still has to work at the level of LCS in a, in an important game. Um, So even his past, you know, recon games, like the one against FlyQuest that went, you know, so badly for him um it's just it just felt and looked different Hmm. in this game he looked way more comfortable and confident and getting a theme here (laughs) it's it just seems like you know something has clicked with with him uh i don't know if it's just champ pick or if it's his approach or outlook or his form it's hard to tell when he's on enchanters a lot, right? Yeah. But, I, mean, I mean, I I will put out there. I think, um, like, let's go back to his his ring around the red buff, right? Like that that play only works when you are the team in the dominant position, right? Because if not, sure, you're the ones who are trying to find a way in to the Baron pit, and there's a very good chance that you are on, you know, Busio charm. Uh, suicide suicide duty right like just yeah. get as or many as you can pray, <laughs> q, q and pray exactly q and pray so uh or is it a w i don't know i don't play recon um like it's q i think yeah i i think every it's easy to look good when the team looks good around you especially in support i don't want to mm-hmm. and i think busio has been one probably i don't know I've i've seen a lot of questioning of busio and mm-hmm. I think to be fair to him, it's important to just keep in mind that like some of these games, it, there's just not a lot of winning angles for a support player to take when like when things aren't going well. To be sure, he has had he has contributed to a lot of that, you know, the the rough seas that we've been in. I'm not giving him a pass there, but. I think it's it's always nice to see a game like this where it's like wow, he looks kind of like a different player. Um, like for me, that feels like yeah. What if you can get your team to be consistently playing at a different level? Does he continue to just kind of cruise along, or does he start to show a little bit more flair, make some of these bigger plays? Like you know, essentially have have the fans taking note of his contributions to the game, not just not messing it up, right? And <laughs> yeah. I think what we're starting to see is, yeah, he can actually bring some style to these. He can kind of make his imprint on the game. Uh, and that's fun to see. And I think for a rookie, you, you expect for that kind of, like, for somebody to feel more comfortable in that kind of uh, position as they get more experience. So I think that, that bodes well. 
um, we now have a couple of games like that where we can say, yeah, you know, I'm not going to be nervous or upset if I see us lock Rakan for him in the future. <clears throat> right. So overall feels pretty positive there. Um, I do want to talk about tenacity, but I think I'm going to save that for later because there's a question that kind of gets into some of those things. So cool. let's save that for later. Um, the one other thing I would mention from this, and I alluded to earlier, was Bjergsen being more assertive and aggressive. Uh, I don't know. And I, when we were losing, I had a lot of people either DMing me or replying to me about like, you know, this is, this is what he does. You know, he just kind of sits back and is passive and you're wondering why he doesn't win you the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, maybe things change in playoffs or whatever, but, uh, we definitely weren't getting an offensive minded Bjergsen for a while. Yeah. Uh, we saw goodness gracious. When was the, that game? Um, I think it was the team liquid game. Was it? the Victor game that he had that was really good. Yeah. Uh, so we saw like a glimpse of it then and then a couple of bad games, but he's, he, I feel like he's back on the saddle uh, and playing offense. The Talia, you know, he's, he's made some really good Talia plays Yeah. Um, over the course of the split. <clears throat> it, it's so hard because it, Watching him is sometimes like what it feels like to watch LeBron at this phase of his career. Mm. So sorry to bring up traditional sports like I always do, but wouldn't be a show if we did. LeBron is, you know, in year twenty of his NBA career, uh, and still putting up like twenty nine and a half points per game. By the way, pretty good. But he, the thing is, it's like sometimes when you when you watch him during the regular season on maybe a weeknight, and maybe the game's not on. <laughs> national tv <laughs> it just seems like why isn't he just going ahead and winning this game because you know he's capable of it <laughs> yeah but he just doesn't and that's kind of what it feels like with bjergsen um sometimes mm. at least it has this split you know i haven't been on this side of bjergsen before mm-hmm. where hey he this guy's actually our guy right but why isn't he winning us the game it's like it asks. seems like he's picking so his his spots a little too sparingly could be so i hope that we get more from him that he was playing this weekend which is you know going for the place flash forward for the easier ult mm. right uh aggressively uh talia ult in um find those moments of cc that really make a change i mean he has found people with various forms of cc and locked them down and the team just pounces on it and erases Whoever gets unfortunately caught by him, like, dude, it's great when it works. And so we just need him to be offensively minded, I think, more than just scaling. And I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll have the opportunity to actually have him play a zillion at some point. It's still getting banned every game. It actually went unbanned this weekend Mm. somehow. Oh, yeah. But uh, it's been a pretty consistent ban (laughs) before that. Yeah. So, um, what was did I even call out the stat lines for him? Three oh and nine on the Azir, but it felt way more impactful than that to yeah, me. Yeah. Um, and then on the Talia five oh and seven, which I think feels about right. You mm-hmm. know, uh, just a, a great weekend from him. Something that we 
definitely need some more of soon. Yep. You know, I had a great weekend. Closer. Me. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> also. Yeah. Just going back to our, uh, somebody should have considered him for player of the week. Probably. <laughs> it's worth a thought. He's got it before. He doesn't need any more of those action figures. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't even have a single one of those. That's kind of crazy. I never like played the MasterCard game. Yeah. I'm know, surprised to, you to didn't open a new MasterCard just to be eligible. If you didn't have one. <laughs> Maybe you already have one. Oh, you already have one because uh, you get like the fan benefits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife has one. Yeah. Okay, so let's come back to the the question. We just we just went through the list and named off all of these things. Like, hey, this was different. This was great. Um, you know, we rebounded all this stuff. So the the big question I think that everyone's asking is about Nuke Duck. How much of this is like, hey, we made this change, and now because of this change specifically and the the resulting approach and strategy, we're doing better. Other than we had our quick honeymoon with nuke duck where the players just kind of like have the pressure off of them for a bit with the change and they can, you know, just be free and play. So we have to, we have to suss out Well, we don't have to, but we're choosing to suss out. We get to, uh, how, 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 how these pieces of the puzzle fit, how much we can attribute to nuke duck. It's only one week, right? So what's your take so far on, you know, how much nuke duck could have possibly done in a week um, and how much we should expect going forward and every, mm. everything like that. Mm. Let's just like dump some thoughts on nuke duck on me. Yeah. Um, the first thought I want to have on nuke duck is I think it's, it's easy to dismiss this as being like a, well, it's only golden guardians and dignitas. Or team dignitas, as I like to call them. And uh <laughs> and I think we should we should not do that. And here's why. These are the shouldn't call them team dignitas. No, we should do that. We should do that. Just like we should call them uh team liquid Honda. We should do that. Um <laughs> <laughs> although I don't actually know if team dignitas is their preferred or if that's just what Google likes to call them in their little their widget. So I'll give it a pass. Uh but here's why we shouldn't dismiss Nuke Dark's results. These are exactly the teams that we need to beat if we want to achieve what it is we uh, essentially have declared to be the minimally acceptable outcome, right? Which is make playoffs. So his job was, <laughs> hey, welcome to your new job. Um, we're going to need you to get us into playoffs. So like you have, you have a week. Good luck. By the way, if you lose this weekend, yeah. we're probably not making right. playoffs. So I think it's easy to kind of say, oh, yeah, but let's see how he does against, you know, FlyQuest when he plays them next split. And, you know, good for him that we've already lost twice. So he doesn't even get a chance to lose it then. Um, but really, that's not his job, right? His job is to get us into playoffs. And so this is huge, right? This is a, a huge achievement that if coaches ever get credit for anything, which you could make the argument that or ask the question of how much credit do they ever deserve, that's fine. That's a different question. Um, but if you're prepared to give coaches credit for the outcome of games of League of Legends, then you have to give him his moment, right? Like he had the decisions to make here, even if his decision was to step back and make fewer decisions, and we got the outcome that we needed. So 
That's yeah. That's how so I think about new stuff right now. The box was checked. The box was checked. Right. Yeah. So you're ha- you're happy so far. Happy so far. Um, maybe as, if you're on Hundred Thieves. Maybe yeah. his expert analysis was, you know what? I'm actually gonna I'm gonna show up for draft because I have to, but then I'm gonna leave, and I'm gonna watch this one from home because I think the players got it. If that's what he did, <laughs> I don't think that's what he did. If it's what he did, it worked. Good for him. Well, you're not too far off. I'll get into that in a second. I do want to make one point though before I go there. Um, I think like with coaches, it's there. There's a very small number of them that probably really like make the difference, and and the team is truly like way better off for having that coach, right? Yeah. And I, I mean, honestly, I think Reaper is probably in that category, right? right? Where you have like a coach that actually does have enough of a of an influence and a mind to affect the affect how the team plays in a material way. Um, I, I don't think most coaches are like that. Mm-hmm. And with an esport that's so like based on ego, you know, players who sit in their bedrooms and dedicate all their time to this, they don't want to, you know, when you, when these people, like I promise you when closer was like silver two and had played league of legends. I, I mean, for closer, I'm guessing this is like <laughs> one hour into his League of Legends journey, but just I'm just making a point. Yeah. I promise you, when he was Silver 2, he was still flaming his teammates and thinking he's better than them. Yeah. Right? Yes. And so that continues as you climb the ladder. You never think the other people are better than you. Right. And then you get to the pro level, and it's like, I have a coach? <laughs> yeah. Are you sure about that? Right. You know what I mean? And like, I, I think like it's you, you, we've mentioned how you need kind of like an adult in the room, um, to be with your League of legends program. And I believe in that strongly. And I believe that there are a lot of teams where the coaching impact is minimal. I believe pretty universally that players don't really think they need coaches. So uh, it becomes this interesting dynamic and kind of like a, a choice for Nuke Duck to make. And there was an interview that he did with Digon mm-hmm. uh, where he said basically that like, he's like, I, you know, I am a player. I, I know what this is like. And I kind of just feel like I wanted to let them have more influence. He's like, I'm just getting started. I didn't think about what my head coaching process was going to be because I wasn't hired to be a head coach. Right. So right now I'm kind of just feeling like let our team do this, you know? And from what the things he was saying, I think it's just kind of like for now. And I don't, I don't mean, I really mean this for now. I don't, I don't mean to suggest that this is going to be his permanent approach or philosophy. We don't know that he doesn't know that he said himself, he doesn't know that he doesn't even know if he's going to be the head coach. Right. (laughs) But what he did say was that he does not want to take unnecessary time from the players. He said, I don't want to sit down and have like a 30 minute, you know, part of our VOD review about something that is either not going to be fixed or, um, not important, Mm -hmm. you know, or, or is not what we're working on right now. Like, I don't want to use too much time if it's not necessary. Let's just talk about what we can fix and what we can do. let's give them some more time. Let's let them relax a bit more. So this clearly is the approach that he's embracing for right now. And 
he knows, he admits in this interview, he's like, yeah, we have like our problems. We have our things to fix. He said, our team, he's like, I looked at it in our team. We struggle with dynamic gameplay. We struggle with macro and playing quickly. Very accurate. You know, that lines up with my eye test for what the team has been like this split. But he's saying like, you know, I think the players kind of know that they have these problems and we'll fix what we can and not dwell on what we're not going to fix at the moment. Right. Well, and like, so it was, do you think the players haven't called that out? Like, yeah, they don't need the coach to say to them, guys, some of your macro decisions aren't good. Like there's nobody in the room who would say after hearing that, like, are you sure? I thought our macro was perfect. So yeah, it's less about pointing out to them the things that are not going well. Any one of them could do that as soon as the game ends, I'm sure. But I think it's more about facilitating the conversation um, about how do you meaningfully improve that in a very short time. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we've all had the experience like at work or something, right? Where it's like you make a mistake and you know you made a mistake and your boss can either choose to like just kind of trust that you know you made the mistake and you know what you need to do to fix it. And if you don't know, you'll ask. Mm -hmm. Or they can make the point with you, you know, and kind of drill it home and go over it with you. And the whole time you're like, yes, I, yes, I get it. I promise I get it. I just messed up. You know what I mean? Like we've had experiences like that. We know how that is. And I think like when it comes to being weak, this was uh week seven, right? Wait, was it seven or six? It was seven. Uh, when it comes to being week seven, maybe they don't need so much of that. Mm -hmm constant correction and pressure and maybe a little bit more of a breather will be beneficial to them. So I think the current approach from nuke duck is probably a pretty nice mental break <laughs> for the guys. And I don't mean to say that nuke duck's not going to teach them anything or they're not going to put them through paces or not going to break down um, their, you know, problems in VOD review or anything, but <clears throat> just that, he's going to trust more of what the player's instinct is and the player's brains. Cole, are you a, are you a Ted Lasso <laughs> fan? So everybody has told me that I would really like that show. I just have never watched it. Okay. Gonna, I have nothing against it. I just haven't watched it. I'm debating whether or not I make it an uh, You should, because a lot of other people know <clears throat> it. Okay. So in Ted Lasso, I'll make this quick. There is a player who was like the, the captain of the team. He ages out. He leaves the team. He retires. He goes to be a pundit. He realizes that's not actually what he wants to be doing. He wants to be a coach, right? Um, mm-hmm. So he, he comes back. But before he does, he has a moment with the, the captain who replaced him to kind of set him straight and say, hey, look, you're, you're going about this all wrong, right? You've lost the point. You're not having fun. You, you're in your own head. Get out of your head. And it's a show, so it works immediately. But I think the point stands, which is there's room for, there's room for a person who understands what it means to play a game. And only the way that somebody who has dedicated their entire life to playing a game, um, there's room for that person to connect with and help people see things in a way that no one else can. And I don't know Costa's background. It's possible that he has a similar one, so this might be a moot point. But 
you know, even Flowers on the cast said that Nuke Duck is a player's coach. Like he is, mm -hmm. he's grinding champions queue with them. He's playing. Like he gets these guys. He knows how what it means to be a professional. And so I think it's entirely possible that he came through and said to them, "Hey guys, you're in your heads. Like you're not playing this game like you know you can." That Lee Sin looked pretty dumb last week. I'm sure you can do a better <laughs> job. I saw you missing, you know, Sonic Waves. That doesn't happen. I can't remember the last time I saw you do that. What's going on here? Like, just play the game. Go in for a level three gank in mid lane, see what you can get, and then let's go from there, right? Like, who knows what actually happened? We'll never know. But I think there, mm -hmm. there's room for that kind of thing, especially when you have somebody who has pretty recently been in a similar spot as these guys because to your earlier point it means something different when it's somebody who can say to you i've been here i know how this goes take my word for it like you're better than this and go play like it versus a coach saying like of course they're both coaches but a, a person who doesn't have that background to go to you and say like at eight minutes here's what i want you to be thinking about right or like here's the macro way we want to play as a team. So make sure your play fits yeah. within this style. It's just a very different thing. And again, with coaches, we never know what's actually happening, but I could see something like that. It sure feels like some conversations like that happened because this team looked different when they came out last week. Yeah. Now, I don't mean, I don't mean to say this as if I'm advancing a counter argument. I'm just saying it to put it out there and to say it right where I do think that sometimes the honeymoon effect is a real thing. Also that. <laughs> sometimes just literally just a change. Yep. I think Sheryl Crow taught us change will do you good. Will do you good. And even if it's, you know, maybe like negative long-term, just temporarily there can be some good effects just from shaking things up a bit. Yep. It's possible that that's what this is. Maybe it won't work out in the long run. Maybe not. But at least the first weekend it went great. And, you know, hopefully the timing of this particular approach is just what we need. That's kind of where I'm at with it. That's where I'm, where I'm guessing. It's just like, it's nice at this moment for these guys to have a, you know, more player trusting environment. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Now let's talk about the playoff scenarios. <clears throat> um, you guys, I'll, I'll even dump this in the, chat for you um gilded nova shout out gilly sent me the foldy sheet link so there it is for you guys i'm nice. particularly look at um the team specific that tab of this foldy sheet and sorry I'm, I'm not putting this up on the the stream but um basically this is this is our weekend broken down if we go three and oh so first of all we're playing tsm on wednesday EG on Thursday and Immortals Progressive on <laughs> Friday. So if we go three and zero, oh, we lock playoffs hundred percent. Okay. Nice. In fact, we even we have a sixty percent chance. And these chances they're based not on what's actually likely, but on the scenarios, like just the probability of a scenario, not weighted for how good the teams are, just like yeah. how many scenarios work out this way. Um, it's 60% for top four lock or, or a tie. Hmm. And 
you know, so three and O is great. Cool. I don't know if, I mean, we'll, we'll get to talk about it, I guess, during predictions, EG has been looking better. Um, and they're on our list. So a lot of people don't think we're going to take them down. So let's look at the two to one scenarios, two wins, one loss. If we lose against TSM on Wednesday, um, but win against EG and immortals, then we are at, uh, 90% to at least force, uh, a tiebreaker to get into playoffs. 61% 61% for a pure, like we're in playoffs. Mm-hmm. But if, uh, if that switches and instead of losing against TSM, we beat TSM and one other team, whether that's immortals pretty likely or EG, maybe less, a little less likely. Suddenly we've got a hundred percent shot at at least a tiebreaker, right? 88% chance of getting into playoffs. Okay. So, just winning TSM puts us in that 88% of scenarios will get us in. Wow. Pretty awesome, right? <clears throat> and not, I don't think, where we expected to be after last week. So those are the two and one scenarios for us, okay? Pretty rosy overall. Um, <clears throat> now, if we go one and two, meaning we lose two games if we lose the tsm game or i'm sorry if we win the tsm game we are at 76 and a half percent to force a tiebreaker and 51 percent off to lock playoffs okay so winning tsm still gets us at least 50 percent making the playoffs hmm. but <clears throat> if we do not win against them so say we only beat immortals and we lose the other two games that drops dramatically 9% to lock playoffs, 40% for a tiebreaker. Okay. So TSM, the key game of the weekend. Yeah. And by the way, if we go 0 and 3, it's a virtual certainty that we're out. Uh, we, we, we have like a very outside shot at a tiebreaker if we're 0 and 3, but a lot of dominoes have to fall the wrong way and it's very unlikely. Yeah. It's worth so, noting as well, Cole, that. Even a one and two with a win against EG has the same odds as against Immortals because my my assumption is because EG is already pretty much a lock, so we're not bettering our chances. Yeah, so it doesn't edging. move the yeah. needle. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's uh, that's so a big game. Then it TSM. really, yeah, TSM is going to be a massive game. Um, it's basically like if we beat TSM, we're looking at somewhere between. 75 to what is it? 90% that we at least get a tiebreaker to get in. Um, and then if we lose the TSM, that goes way down to like, what is it? 9% to maybe 40 on a tie. So yeah, this, this is going to be a deal. This is going to be a deal. The TSM game, which is the first game of the weekend is basically the thing. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, now it's worth noting part of the reason this is so meaningful is because we're currently tied with TSM and CLG for that. It was at fifth place. Yeah. I think is what it is. Basically the last spot. And we, yeah. And we beat TSM earlier in the split. So if we beat them again, we have the two O over them and we won't need the tiebreaker to resolve, you know, that, that standoff between us and them. That's why this game in particular is so pivotal. Yep. 
<clears throat> so hearing all of that, Jordan, um, what are you looking like for this weekend? Like, how do you like our chances? What do you think is going to happen? I know we usually do predictions at the end of the pod, but I think, you know, given talking playoff scenarios, we can go ahead and talk about this here. Wow. Um, geez. Do you want to hear some of TSM's recent history? Yeah. <clears throat> Probably helpful to review that. So they lost to, uh, what was it? They lost to Golden Guardians, as I said last week, and they beat Immortals. If you continue to go back, they have a win against Team Liquid. Doesn't mean as much as it used to, boys. <laughs> Losses against EG, C9, and CLG. Win against Dignitas. And then all the way back to February 17th, a win against FlyQuest. Hmm. Okay. So. They were the first ones to beat them. I don't know. Yeah, they were. I think they were the first ones to beat FlyQuest. But did not get any wins against teams that were better than them other than FlyQuest. Like all split. Well, you know what, Cole? Uh, this, this will be the last regular season prediction I make for this team. And so here's what I'm going to do. Oh, wow. That was depressing. Yep. True, though. I am going to predict uh, that we... I'll just give it to you once. We're going to 3-0. Throw our way out of here. <laughs> and here's why. Uh, TSM has solo, and that is a point of uh, failure in the roster. So that will, <laughs> will win through top. Um. Evil geniuses. You I don't better know. not be cursing us. I don't know if you saw this, Cole. Uh, sorry. Yeah, evil geniuses. Uh, they played with a player that you know very well, and that I know very well. Uh, you know who that player is. Someday. <laughs> <laughs> they played with Ryoma. Um, I don't know. I think that sure, was. You're not talking about someday. Oh, you mean FBI? Oh, that's right. That's just, I didn't realize they basically just played with our team. Our, <laughs> um, we do know them I well. I don't know. I don't know what the official story is there. I think it's just that JoJo wasn't feeling well, right? Um, but look, let me tell you when you get mid lane swoopy swapping, thing that's just that you got to watch out. So I'm going to say that EG is. On the back foot, take advantage of that. And then um, we play Immortals Progressive last. And look, I, I've, I've been saying it this whole time. We're going to beat them. It's our destiny. You don't think we're going to trip at the finish line against no. Immortals no. Progressive? <laughs> uh, no, but actually, um, if we lose against them, it doesn't really make that much of a difference. I mean, it's still, you like to have that 100% playoff lock, keep our fate is in our own hands, which is always a great place to be. Um, but no, we'll, we'll beat them. Yeah, 3 0. Easy. Now, did, I don't, I'm wondering if chat knows anymore. I mean, I think the assumption was that JoJo was sick, right? That's and what that I heard on some broadcast. of the team was sick. I know someday was sick. Yeah. Um, so, you you think yes or no to they'll be back in time? Look, I think even if he's back, <clears throat> I just I we've been through this before. 
different mid laners in and out. JoJo's already not had one of his best splits. I just think even if, yes, he had bad lasagna and that's why he wasn't playing, <laughs> doesn't matter. I just think that once you start that carousel up, you, you, you're just rolling the dice. And I know they won that game. So, <laughs> so feel free. <laughs> Joke's to on you anyway. Yeah. But there's no such thing as bad lasagna. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> and there you have it. Yeah. That's my guess. My, my, that's not my guess. That's my prediction. Well, guess that leaves it in my hands, right? To make the final regular season prediction of the podcast. I got to go out on a high note. Be true to myself. And that's what I have to do as well. I have to be true to myself. It's true. And the under kids, you know, we have uncompromising principles here at this podcast. Uncompromising. We will not make exceptions to our principles. So I'm not going to lie to you. It's not what I do. We're going to win against TSN. It's going to be a banger. We're going to lose to evil geniuses. Then we are going to squeak out a close victory against immortals. Wow. Prophet Cole has spoken. Prophet Cole has spoken. Two and one. And we will make playoffs. I'm so relieved. I'm so relieved to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I think is going to happen. I I think we will make it in. And (laughs) it does it feel to you like if, like once we make it in, it doesn't matter anymore. It's just like great. Yeah. Oh yes. And we didn't miss it. Like that's all for the rest. <laughs> yes. Whole split. Well, I guess I I said our fates in our hands. Um, it, even if we lose, we I I kind of overlooked this important point. We're still a lock, hundred percent lock for a tiebreaker at least if we win two games and lose one. Yeah. Unless we lose against TSM, then we're not. So we got to win that one. But as you've predicted, Nicole, as you've prophesied, we will be at least in a tiebreaker. It's great. I'm I'm very proud I, of us. I don't even think we'll have hit the tiebreaker. I think we'll just just be a straight it. lock. Okay. All right. <clears throat> okay. So we made our predictions. We're, I know we're out of order, but let's go ahead and do some listener takes. Now, this was hilarious to me this week. Um obviously last night we made the announcement about the show wrapping up. At the end of the split, when I put out the call for takes, as I usually do, n- literally no one responded. They're like, you guys are done with the show. Why would I? Yeah, there's yeah. Everyone gave up on the show. So I was like, did we not make it clear that we're still doing the podcast for another month? It wasn't clear. Did we not make clear? <laughs> Good Burton has, has just found out the news by me telling. Oh, by me saying that. Yeah, he did think he did i didn't see him okay you are jk okay i did not i did not see burton around last night anyway um now shout out jc 101 who who eventually got a take in there as he always does as always but i i literally had to beg for the rest back guys we're still here (laughs) give me some takes (laughs) so we did get some um not as many as usual let's run let's run down there uh jc 101 speaking of he said, uh, and it wasn't really much of a take. He said, me, get Busio off of Enchanter duty and then 100T with Busio on Rakan. We win big. Dot GIF. <laughs> there it is. Uh, I, I'm not, like, 
he so he played great on the recon this weekend loved it looked great i'm still not really thinking it's that bad to have him on enchanters like i know we lost games and stuff but like mm. I know it's fun for development and for entertainment value to see him on stuff that maybe is more exciting and maybe more true to who he is. I don't, I don't really care that much. <laughs> I mean, I here's really an interesting way to look at it, right? I feel like when somebody's on Enchanter duty, one of the things that happens is you put a lot more of the onus to win key moments on your carries, right? Yeah. Like that, that Baron contest didn't happen because he was on Recon. Um, it we didn't coin flip with a and like Sejuani's got a great uh coin flip for the Baron, so yeah, like that's that's a very specific example of a time that that pick helped us out. But I kind of like the fact that he's not now just waiting for things to happen yeah. and to like ult the right person. You know, it feels good. Yeah, it feels good. Okay, you know what? That's fair. Yeah. I accept your argument. Thank you. And retract what I said. <laughs> um, Mont. Yes, the Mont who made the Rip It video game that we played on stream. Amazing. Says, feels like we started drafting like what we did in the first few weeks. It allowed Closer to actually play the game this time. Also, Closer was robbed of Player of the Week, but he def won MVP, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> we'll also, it is RP, interesting, yeah. or also, is it interesting to you that we play significantly better the moment our coach is gone? So first of all, the end part Yes, highly interesting mm-hmm. that that change led to a much better weekend out of us. Um, you know, we already went into that. The the amount of difference, the delta from Costa and Hookduck is pretty insane. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what to make of it completely. Um, <clears throat> but the thing about drafting feels like we started drafting like what we did in the first few weeks. <clears throat> so thankfully Leaguepedia is now up to date with the first two weeks of the LCS spring split. <laughs> but uh we played like, you know, we played a bunch of Zeri in the bot lane, right? We tried tenacity on a variety of things, closer on engage. It's not that different, right? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we've We've done unusual things or maybe different things. Like, I don't know. We, we had a Tristana mid game, right? Uh, we had, um, we tried the Maokai a couple times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like our draft hasn't been that stagnant. It's been like, it's been like right in the middle of like how much, stuff we've done and how unusual it is. It's like just, if it's a spectrum, it's just like right in the middle. Right. And so I don't feel like we did anything dramatically different. Am I tripping? Um, I don't think you're tripping. I think I got to bring up this point also. Like I know riot has been trying to shift the meta basically throughout the course of this entire split. And perhaps they've just, they finally had a little bit better luck doing that. Um, again, there will be people who are paying closer attention to the patch notes who could say this for sure, but like mm. maybe maybe a part of this is less that we are, you know, we're not pouring all of our resources into bot lane and more just that there are other positions that are more viable from a like doing 
more with the resources they have positioned. Um, so it's it's probably some mixture of those things, is my guess. But it doesn't feel to me like Gosh. it's not so starkly different we're, on the We're draft five point. years into this and still saying, ah, it's probably a little bit of both. It's because it always is. It's never one thing. Have we learned nothing? It's never one thing. And and here's the other thing that you can be sure of. Riot thinks that they no, I'm sure they know that they don't. I, they don't actually control the meta, right? They they I'll make an analogy here. League of Legends is a car, and they're they have a spotter who is sitting on top of the car. And the, and, oh, and, and they're they're relaying instructions to the the balance team who is driving the car without with their eyes blindfolded, right? And you know you're they're running over cones, they're driving over the curb. <laughs> it's like they don't actually know how to <laughs> get from point A to point B, like. From the start of the split, they they've been saying this is legendary. They've been saying like we yo any moment now. It's isn't it weird? Like we think that that uh, engaged supports will be back anytime, probably pretty soon. <laughs> it's like well, I mean, you guys you guys are the ones pressing the buttons, right? Like are they back or not? Like we think they'll probably be back. <laughs> okay our two our 200 years of experience <laughs> yeah. suggests that we think maybe soon right and then you've got the maybe not you, you've got the like the the character development uh, like the champion creation team who who they're it's like the analogy for this is they're just like taking off wheels as you go it's like you guys don't need that one right like we're, we just found this in the engine you need this you're that <laughs> uh and as bc is pointing out they they like hyper buffed yumi like recently it's so good it's perfect it's absolutely yeah 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 so yeah we should expect more of that um i'm I'm guessing it makes it difficult to draft (laughs) but just returning to the the essence of the take Mm -hmm. um oh demont here it it feels like the change for me is more like in attitude of the players and approach of the players more than the champions they're on. That's, that's what I fair. Very fair to me. Yes. To me. Okay. Jobless Jack, who is not actually an LCS big guy. He's more on the call of duty side. Time out on the, you brought up Mr. Carson just said, believe she can't be picked till after MSI. (laughs) That's, that's not even that soon. So no, it's not. That's pretty bad. Yep. Um, Jobless, okay, and maybe Burton missed earlier because he said closer champ though felt very impactful. Yes, but do you remember when he played it before? Oh, less. You remember against CLG when he played same? It yeah, and that was the week before. It's weird. Yeah, just saying. Jobless Jack. Um, Jobless Jack says thoughts from a non LCS fan. I've heard all of the stuff against Hundred Thieves in LCS, and it's quote bias against Hundred Team. Do you guys agree with that? If so, what do you think is the reasoning behind it? Just because we aren't an OG team? So this is, this is actually awesome because most people who watch the show and like especially those who send in takes, been here forever, right? So we've lived with this question and we talked about it like early on, but we haven't talked about it in a really long time. So this is, this is like, it's kind of fun to bring this up kind of like towards the end of the pod, right? Um, so do we agree that the community is biased against 100D? And what do you think the reasoning is? 
And he suggests is it because we're not like one of the original. Um, so what do you what do you think? <laughs> I love this question. I I mm-hmm. I really I just hope that Jabba's Jack starts watching the LCS. That would be outstanding. Um oh. I think it, you know it's been interesting, right? It's it's always something different. And I think this is probably true to a certain extent for hundred of these. I don't my I guess I'll just answer give my answer at the start here. I don't know why. I haven't yet figured that out. But I think you see pieces of it in almost every iteration of this, like or every roster that we field as an organization. Maybe Valorant is the exception. Like I feel like people love Asuna so much that um so but I Well, we were part of the originals. That's true. We were part of the originals. So maybe that's it. Not with not with that team though, if mm, you remember. Yeah. Um <laughs> So here's the here's the thing I think for LCS. People I think it it does probably come down to that we're not the originals. And then it it morphed as needed to find a different reason to describe it. Because people don't people won't be overt about like, well, I like only three teams in the LCS, and your team's not one of them. Like I don't think people are quick to say that because they recognize that feels kind of snooty. Um, so usually what you hear instead is there's no NA talent on this team or, uh, this team doesn't actually care about winning or all they want to do is sell, sell hoodies, hoodies. Um, and, and depending on where things currently sit, that response will change. Um, even after winning, I think that that's when it shifted to but it's not an na roster right like so there's no there is no way to um resolve it i think it has been actually super interesting to watch the lcs here there are a ton of fan signs out there and a lot of them are for double and bjergsen and you see a good number for um Bucio and tenacity too so it'll be interesting to see if we can hang on to this roster for a while it's possible that, but I think as soon as those players go, I mean, if I'm being realistic, people move on to the next thing. Yeah. So that's the thing. Most of the old, old crowd for LCS, uh, they just care about the players. They don't really care about the teams. Yep. And the players were so closely aligned with certain teams for a long time, which made them longstanding fans of those teams. But even then, like, you know, like the people who were big TSM fans when Bjergsen was there, they're not really cheering for TSM right now. They kind of move around with the players. So there's that aspect of it. Um, And Hunter Thieves has dabbled in uh, heritage iconic players. I mean, we brought Medios and Aphromoo into the first iteration of the team. And I think, you know, despite my opinion of Medios and his maturity level, um, which I think, by the way, is better now. Mm -hmm. But side note, (laughs) the fact is he probably was responsible for the, the, majority of the fans that we had early on Mm -hmm. he he is such uh an enduring personality that him being on her thieves helped give us the kickstart it did so there's that but ultimately when returning to the question about the org i think i think yes there is some degree of dismissal of hunter thieves because we just didn't win as much as a team that people would give those benefits to, you know, like cloud nine 
gets the benefit of the doubt virtually all the time, right? And it's because they have always been super competitive and have always won and, and paired that with having those personalities, right? Mm-hmm. I understand that. TSM, been a contender forever also and one of the OGs for sure. Um, they've won plenty. And Team Liquid was a joke for a while until they went on a very dominant stretch and then all of a sudden they got the benefit of the doubt all the time, right? It was all the time. It's like, well, Team Liquid's going to figure this out. Team Liquid's going to figure this out all the time. We never got that. Even when we won the title, we never got the benefit of the doubt. No one ever called us the favorites, you know, that sort of, and of course not literally no one calls favorites, but you know what I'm saying. <clears throat> and so what I think, I think like a lot of this comes down to, and I can't give the whole take. I've been meaning to do like a podcast about this, but honestly, like Hunter Thieves came on into the scene later than all the heritage teams, but achieved the same like notoriety, the same like social engagement, the same hype as all of those teams basically. Now, well, it's not like, it's not like one-to-one, like there's objectively more hundred thieves fans than whatever, but it's like the heist dropped and it was doing crazy numbers. Mm-hmm. And Riot was like, hey, look at what Hunter Thieves is doing. This is how you do it, guys. Right. You know, and and um they made such a splash and got so much immediate attention. And a lot of it was like main shot fans, someone who's not within the LCS community and instead is affiliated with COD community. And if you compare like the uh, the 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 archetypal personalities between the COD community and the league community. It's kind of like the like the 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 fiery, talkative, cocky, more jockish type personalities mm-hmm. versus the more quiet, nerdy personalities. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's kind of like that's kind of like if you're if you're playing high school right. with the scenes. Yep. That's kind of what it is. So you so if if you think about it from a fan's perspective, who doesn't like care much about Hunter Thieves, it's got to be annoying, right? It's got to be annoying to see something new. That comes in and gets a crazy amount of, t- of attention that brings in a lot of attention from sources that people are not either familiar with or comfortable with or used to, right? Because a lot of the, the eyeballs mm-hmm. that were coming in from the 100 Thieves pipeline are not, you know, endemic to LCS. And 100 Thieves was just cool. Yeah. It was like, you know, oh, like, look at the, look at the insane video editing look at the insane branding, look at the really cool apparel. It's kind of streetwear. It's not like normal. It's way better and way more like thought out and executed than anything else in the scene. If you are an establishment scene person, mm-hmm. you're going to be annoyed by that. Right. Right. It's like the new hot girl that shows up at school, right? <laughs> like you're going to be annoyed by that. And so, so much of this, I think personally, and, and again, I know people are not going to like this take from me, but I think so much of it is down to just like people just kind of resenting the excitement and the cool factor that Hunter Thieves brought with them when they entered the LCS for the first, you know, full year. Yep. And they never got over that, right? Especially because you love to see someone like that loose. And us, if we were, if we were, you know, eighth place team that first year, that would have been one thing. But if we're, if we, we are fi- grand finals and lose, then that's more of an opportunity for them to meme yeah. and joke about us and right. everything. And they, they dumped on. Yep. 
um, hoodie org was a thing. Right. Right. There's that famous picture. It's actually my desktop on my computer of Nade Shot in holding the LCS trophy with the hoodie that says hoodie org. Love that so much. Yeah. We can't pretend like that never happened. Right. 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 It was just memes about like, oh, they're never going to be good enough. They just want to sell hoodies. Yep. It's, I think it all just boils down to this resentment of the cool new people. And, and if you want another way to slice that up, compare them to FlyQuest. Okay. FlyQuest is like the, probably the most universally liked team out there. Who, who is like sitting around and be like, you know which team I hate and is annoying and I can't stand? <laughs> FlyQuest. Who has ever said that? Right. 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 Because they came into the scene, they were good natured, mm-hmm. they didn't try to be cool, right? And instead, they just kind of did their own thing. They found their own unique lane for branding, which was great, but not like hype oriented and not, you know, cocky or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And I'm sorry to say this, but they don't have many fans. <laughs> not many people actually like FlyQuest. Yeah. Like, no one dislikes them, mm-hmm. but they're not first on many people's lists. Right. And maybe that'll change now because they've got very lovable personalities affiliated with them, right? Papa Smithy going over there, awesome, right? Avli going over there, for most people, awesome, right? And then likable players, the players themselves are great. Like the team is just looks like their own plane mm-hmm. in the LCS. So maybe that'll eventually change. But the fact is eyeballs on the LCS are nowhere near what they used to be. The excitement isn't there. So I don't know how much you can possibly capitalize on. Them. It's going to, it's going to be a tough road for them to haul. Yep. And I don't think they'll ever get enough attention and excitement to put them into that category where people want to see them fail. Right. And they, they won't come off as like this cool new thing that kind of upset the establishment that hundred thieves was. So if people in the LCS scene were probably just a little more secure and <laughs> like a little bit better adjusted, it probably wouldn't have been such a, a big deal, but definitely you're going to annoy people if you show up, make a lot of noise and you do pretty well. And I think that's mainly what happened. Well said. I got so many more thoughts on that. So much more nuance, but we can't. Yeah. We're about to start a whole new pod here. Um, and if, yeah, I know, again, I know plenty of people are going to hate what I said and disagree <laughs> and bring up things. Go for it. Send me messages, whatever. I'm happy to hear it. We'll hold back for now. Um, <clears throat> Tim Sevenhusen asked Tim, Tim, good old Tim, Oracle's Elixir Tim, 100T Tim. How do you feel about Tenacity and Busio's trajectory as rookies after week seven? Better. So this is someone that we... <laughs> <laughs> Something that we had brought up earlier, Rookie Watch, right? Um, What were the two assessments we kind of made? Well, I'll I'll speak for myself. Tenacity, kind of rough timing, uh, sometimes not with the team when he needs to be sometimes slow to react, slow to be there. It's gotten a lot better, Mm -hmm. right? Even when we were losing, I thought Tenacity had started to really ramp it up. So. I think that he is doing a lot to overcome those issues. And that's great. I feel like he's progressed. I'm happy with it. Busio, my thing 
was like, it kind of looks like he's tunnel vision on one kind of objective or priority sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like you said, ult the right person or protect double lift or whatever. Um, but now it's a little looser, right? And maybe he's getting the opportunity to play on things that he's a little more free with. Yeah. Like but, uh, the great Rome definitely feeling to mid to yeah. make that counter mm-hmm. counterplay that we talked about, right? Like that's that mm-hmm. doesn't happen if you are head down, bot lane, nothing else is happening. Yep. A few flashy plays here and there. I think that their progress is real. You know what I mean? And so they're definitely not there yet. Yep. <laughs> but the progress is happening and it's good. Like happy with it. I just want to make a point I've made before, which is the CLG guys, they had our number this split. And the reason they had our number is because they had time to develop. And, and I'm not talking about six weeks. I'm talking about years. So I, I think it's important that we keep, uh, you know, maintain our long-termerism with uh, these two guys. And look, yes. if we don't play well next week and we don't 3-0 like I've uh, projected, or, or we don't 2-1 like you prophesied, then I, I think it's still not time to panic um, mm-hmm. because what you can't do with a rookie is after a couple of weeks of disappointing results, say, well, I guess it's doomed. And then you see them play well for a weekend and you're like, maybe they're back, maybe they're back. And then the next week they go back to, you know, re- regress to the norm yeah. here. Like you just can't, you can't do that. If you if right. if your goal, you know, if your goal is to have an immediate upgrade to your roster and to make a change that will allow you to get to worlds, and then if you don't make worlds, it's doomed, and so you might as well rebuild the whole roster. Fine, then do that. <laughs> but if you're thinking about like next year, which is kind of crazy to say that that's being a, a long termer, um, then give them more time. So that's where that's how I feel about their trajectory. I think they're still capable of clearly of improving and playing better than we've seen. They are not at their ceiling. So I want, I want to see more. Yep. All right. We're going to rapid fire the last three takes. Um, mostly cause we've already talked about them and also cause we've got to get out of here. So Amax legit said my weekly take the org should hang a hundred talk banner in the <laughs> compound. Yes. Be pretty, pretty cool if they did, right? Be pretty cool if they did. <laughs> Uh, that would suggest that the org won a hundred talk championship. That's kind of an interesting thought. They did win the summoners. Cup, uh, so <laughs> that's true. Uh, they also lost it. Um, <laughs> BC, BC and Biddy have similar takes that we've kind of walked through. So um, BC said this week's perform is this week's performance uptick an actual improvement or a bit of honeymoon with nuke duck coming up dad coach. I find it hard to have actual faith in a trophy run, but maybe the boys did scale. So we've talked about the first part of that. But the second part, actual faith in a trophy run. Do you have it? I mean, call me back after we make playoffs, and I'll give you my perspective on <laughs> ah. that. Um, yeah. But I have faith that we can at least put in an honest showing to make it to playoffs. We'll see if For we sure. do, but I think we can. Yep. Uh, I'm not going to say trophy. This is FlyQuest or C9 and no one else. Oh, yeah. Biddy says, my take is that Nuke Duck is not really forcing the players to play in a specific fashion, and we are seeing more of what they've wanted to play now. I don't know if that's true, but I'm just not super willing to say it's Nuke Duck's leadership that is the difference. But regardless, it still will be better than where we were, even if it's just a mental reset for the player. I think a sound take, and it prompts me to add a little bit 
that I didn't do before from that interview with Degon where he, he specifically mentioned the draft. He's like, yeah, this is really collaborative with the players, mm. you know? Yeah. And so I think we're seeing that for sure. Excellent take, Biddy. And I will add All right. that I think we should expand our definition of leadership to include doing less to allow the players to do more. I think that, that is just a different way to lead and go. it's no less valuable. Yeah, and right now it may be more valuable than, say, the beginning of summer split. Yep. But we'll see what happens. Okay, uh, yes, we got to wrap up and get out of here. We already did our predictions. Um, guys, again, thank you so much for all the messages and tweets and everything about our announcement. The show's wrapping up. Seriously, it was very moving and tough to get through those without getting super emotional. Uh, and we got a freaking month left <laughs> to do this. Uh, but we really love you guys. We really appreciate it. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for sticking with us. We're going to have a lot of fun for this last month, so stick around. Uh, but until Rec League this Thursday, we shall say we love you and we miss you already.